When you're in the market for a new car, you want a vehicle that conquers your daily commute, easily handles the elements, and looks great too. You need the reliability of a Toyota and the confidence that your investment will last. Why? Because after all the carpools, shopping trips, and weekends out, you want a car that still has plenty of miles left in it and holds its value for a great trade-in deal. That's where Toyota leads the pack as the number one resale value brand for 2024, according to Kelly Blue Book's KBB.com. So check out the all-new, fully redesigned 2025 Camry or test drive a stylish and affordable Corolla sedan or hatchback. And remember, when you choose Toyota, you're not just buying a car for today, you're investing in trade-in value for tomorrow. Visit buyatoyota.com, the official website for deals, for more. Vehicles projected resale value is specific to the 2024 model year. For more information, visit kellybluebookskbb.com. Kelly Blue Book is a registered trademark of Kelly Blue Book Company, Incorporated. Toyota, let's go places. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast where we take happiness from the abstract to the concrete. This week, we'll talk about why we might use the Solomon paradox when dealing with a tricky situation and how to respond to a rebel husband who refuses to wear his seatbelt. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. I'm in New York City, and with me is my sister, Elizabeth Kraft, who always wears her seatbelt. That's me, Elizabeth Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. And yes, Gretchen, I am a rule follower, so I wear (laughs) that belt. That's right. Now, Gretchen, we want to mention to everybody that we've got our last shows of 2019 coming up. We're going to be in Atlanta on November 14th, Charlotte on November 15th, and we're going to be in Brooklyn November 16th. So come see Happier Hour and bring your friends. It's super fun. Yeah, you can get all the information at GretchenRubin.com slash events. And speaking of what you can get on the website, yes, we now have merchandise. We are so excited. Listen, we've been talking about this for years. Yes. Real official merchandise. Go to GretchenRubin.com slash merch. That's M-E-R-C-H, short for merchandise. And we have T-shirts, tote bags, mugs, 
because Elizabeth does love her mugs. So check it out. We're so excited. Yeah, and then Gretchen, we have to remind everyone about our book club selection, which is I Am by Isaac Mizrahi, the incredibly brilliant American designer, Isaac Mizrahi, who also has been on Project Runway for many seasons. And there's also um, a really, really interesting 1995 documentary that followed Isaac Mizrahi as he was planning and then ultimately shows his fall 1994 collection. It's called Unzipped. And you see celebrities like Richard Gere and Sandra Bernhardt, Liza Minnelli, Roseanne Barr. All the supermodels are there. Cindy Crawford, Naomi Campbell, Linda Evangelista, Kate Moss. There's an amazing scene with Eartha Kitt. If you read the memoir, you might want to see the documentary because he talks about the making of Unzipped and what that experience was. And also, if you are in a situation where maybe you don't get a chance to read the whole book, um, you could you could watch the documentary. And then when you listen to our conversation with Isaac Mizrahi, it'll have given you a lot of where he's coming from, what kind of person he is, what his clothes look like and all that. Yeah, Gretchen, I love the book because it's just so behind the scenes. I mean, he seems just like the most fabulous, everything's gone right in his life kind of guy. But then you read about, you know, growing up gay in New York before that was totally acceptable and how he became a designer and the whole thing. And it's just fascinating. It is. It's absolutely. The the book is terrific. And Isaac's going to be joining us November 27th. So excited. Elizabeth, our Try This at Home tip is to use the Solomon Paradox to your advantage. Yeah, now, Gretchen, this idea, although not with this great name, the Solomon Paradox, was suggested by a listener. Christina said, you and Elizabeth have spoken about how to remain positive when losing your job. I just recently experienced my job being made redundant, and as a generally positive person, I felt fine straight away and tried to keep a positive attitude However, as an upholder, I can get quite critical of myself, and more recently, I've been feeling more negative about my future opportunities. I knew I didn't want to stay stuck in these negative feelings and thoughts about my career, so what I did was ask myself this question. What would I do and say to someone else who is going through redundancy? Would I be telling them to feel the way I was feeling about myself? When asking myself this question, it became clear to me that I would not advise anyone to have that sort of negative attitude about themselves. Not just because if I did, that would be rude, but because I know it wouldn't be true. Thinking beyond myself and imagining others in that position helps me to be more rational and positive of the future opportunities to come, especially as an upholder. Now, this is a very wise strategy to use, and it turns out there is a name for the psychological phenomenon, that we are much better at giving advice to other people than giving it to ourselves. And it's called the Solomon Paradox because, you know, in the Bible, King Solomon was said to be wiser than all the men of the East and all the sages of Egypt. But while he was great at giving advice to others, he made terrible decisions in his own life and ultimately brought ruin upon his kingdom. So he's used um, as an example of, okay, you're good at telling other people what to do, giving Mm -hmm. advice. You need to take it yourself. And Igor Grossman is the scientist who coined this term, has done a lot of research Um, on why this is true, why we tend to be smarter about other people's problems than about our own. And why is it? Well, he shows it's kind of what Christina said, is that when we distance ourselves from the problem at hand by thinking about it in the context of a different person, not in our own context, we see it more clearly. We're more able to say, you know, instead of saying, why am I behaving this way or why am I feeling this way? We say, 
Why is that person behaving that way? What, what would that person do? Why, what's that person's motivation? And that kind of distancing gives us a lot of clarity. Well, don't you think that also you don't have their baggage? I mean, yes. you're not looking at their problems through the lens of all of your, you know, past <laughs> deeds. So that's yes. got to give you more clarity. Well, absolutely. And I think it, it makes it easier to take other people's perspectives into account. Like, well, what about this? And what about that? You can imagine when you're not, when you're mired in your own life, if your options can feel limited, but if you're thinking about imaginary third person, it might feel like, well, what about this? And what about that? It's kind of less intimidating to think about it. So you open yourself up to more possibilities of outcomes. And Gretchen, we have found this strategy of thinking about yourself in the third person um, can often be effective. Like we recently talked about treating yourself like a dog. Yes. Um, we heard from a lot, lot of people responding. Yeah, to. they said that really works. Treat yourself like a toddler, where it's like, yes. okay, you're like the crabby toddler. And then we've talked a lot about how some obligers um, can think of their duty to their future selves. Yeah, which is kind of like a third person. Well, and it's fascinating to me that obligers are able to be, they feel outer accountability to their future self as if that future self was indeed a different person. It is, it's a very imaginary but creative way of getting that distancing, that self-distancing that that's so helpful. And I think a lot of people have sort of stumbled on this. Like, I mean, I'm sure, have you heard people say something like, oh, I always imagine what I would say to my child or I imagine what uh -huh. I would say to my best friend if that person called me about with this problem. Yeah, and I think giving it a name helps. Yeah. For some reason, whenever something has an official title, it feels like it must work. Like, yes. yeah. I feel like it's it's more effective to say, well, yes. let me use the Solomon yeah. Paradox on myself as well, opposed to just let me think about it this way. Well, and also you're like, well, if King Solomon had this problem, like I, I know, I can't feel bad myself. That I, kept. <laughs> I never knew until you told me that he, um, his own life was not in good shape. So <laughs> I find that very reassuring. Yeah. And even the person we refer to as sort of the paradigm yes. of wisdom yes. absolutely was clueless with his own <laughs> self. Yes. So let us know if you do try this at home and how using the Solomon Paradox works for you and how you use it. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes for this episode. Go to happiercast.com slash 247. This is episode 247 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we've got a happiness hack that will help you stay in touch with the people you love. But first, this break. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. I now work with a team, and I am here to say that finding the right candidate and hiring the right candidate is one of the very biggest and most important challenges to anyone who has a small business. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
There are some stories about our father's life that I truly never get tired of hearing, from hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting. His retelling of the events always brings me joy. Just in time for Father's Day, I found the perfect gift that captures all his stories for our family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your father or father figure's life for years to come. And Gretch, you get a book of all these stories. And I love just keeping a book on the coffee table and anyone from any generation can see a story from dad, like what was his favorite toy or what was his first job? Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. Give all the fathers in your life a unique, heartfelt gift you'll all cherish for years. StoryWorth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash happier. That's storyworth.com slash happier to save $10 on your first purchase. So listen, it's time for a happiness hack. And a few episodes ago, we had a listener question about how to keep in touch with family who was spread out across the country. And many people wrote in to recommend the free app Marco Polo. We heard from so many people about Marco Polo. Yeah, and it's basically the video version of voicemail. And one of the things they said, like why it's not just doing that, is that there's a lot of fun features that kids and adults, it turns out, like to use, like using silly voice features and special video effects. Yeah, and we um, we got this idea from Joy. She said, Using FaceTime with little kids often is very short-lived, frustrating, and disappointing for the adults because kids don't stay engaged very long. With Marco Polo, you can send quick videos back and forth at your own pace. I find it much easier to engage my children during mundane things that their grandparents would like to be a part of when I could just ask them, what are you doing, and then record a quick video. The videos can be watched and replied to live or at your convenience. So this is a great idea, Gretchen, because it's true. Whenever I'm away and I call Jack on FaceTime, he has zero interest. <laughs> I have to like beg him just to come to the screen. And then he's always putting on silly faces. And yeah. like, um, so I think he would he would like this. Yeah. Well, and this is, again, this is a, a question that a lot of people have thought a lot about, which is how do we keep in touch with the people that we love when we're not in the same place. And so all these tools are great because any tool that makes it easier to, to stay in contact is something that's going to make us happier. Yeah. Of course, it's exa- an example of technology being good. Yes, technology. Us together. Yes, technology. Um, and now for I Know Yourself Better. And Elizabeth, this, speaking of Jack um, and his, <laughs> his FaceTime <laughs> issues, this question was uh, inspired to you by a conversation that you had with Jack. Yes. And the question is, would you like to be a twin? Mm. Um, and I started thinking about this because the other day there was a news report about twins and Jack was just emphatic about how he would hate to be a twin, um, which I just thought was interesting. I said, well, why don't you want to be a twin? He said that he likes his DNA being unique. He wouldn't (laughs) like anyone sharing his DNA. And so uh, he was talking about being an identical twin. Yes, he was talking about being an identical twin. Then I said, well, I explained what a fraternal twin is. And I said, would you like to be a fraternal twin? And he also does not want to be a fraternal twin. He likes just having his own space and he has Uh no interest in sharing it with anybody. But what I found interesting was that I was like, oh, because I would love to be a twin. I would love to be a twin. You would too? I would love to be a twin. I would love to be an identical twin. I think it sounds amazing. Right? I know. I 
I like having, um, I, th- I think I would like to have the person that close to me yes. who I spent my whole life with. I don't think <laughs> I would feel robbed of my identity. No, I don't feel like I would feel crowded. I feel like I would like it. Yeah, I feel like it would be super interesting and fun. And and it is a kind of relationship that's completely, like you either have it or you don't. You can't cultivate yeah. it. Yeah. And what do you think it says about us that if we want to be a twin or don't want to be a twin? I, my whole life, I've been super fascinated by twins. And a friend of mine who's an identical twin it's funny, you don't think of twins as being grown up so much. I know for some reason, I'm yeah. always kind of surprised when people are twins grown ups, which is ridiculous, <laughs> obviously. There's nothing more surprising than finding out that somebody you feel like you know pretty well is an identical twin. That has yeah. happened to me a couple times. I'm like, how is it that you didn't tell me this the first time we met? That's yeah. so big. But anyway, my friend, um, Abby Pogerbin, wrote a fascinating book called One in the Same, My Life is an Identical Twin and What I've Learned About Everyone's Struggle to Be Singular. And it's because I have always been fascinated by twins and also like you kind of would love to be a twin. I found it a fascinating examination of the real benefits and then also the challenges, especially of being an identical twin. Yeah. And to take it back, Gretchen, to that question of what does it say about us? It's interesting because Jack is an only child. So I don't know. He's probably influenced by that. He loves being an only child. He likes not having a sibling to fight with. <laughs> yeah. um, he likes getting all the attention. And he, you know, he feels like he just loves basking in everyone's attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't know if that sort of colors how he sees it. But I do think there, there are people who just like to always be connected. And then there are people right. who really like to retreat and have their own time. And maybe that's part of why you would or wouldn't think being a twin is appealing. Ooh, I wonder if rebels would rather not be twins. I would imagine. Because for them, is such an, you know, thing. And then they're also often treated together. So you might feel kind of like your choices are constrained mm. because you're linked with somebody else. I don't know. That would be fascinating to know. And it might also, Elizabeth, be a reflection of the fact that you and I have a very, like, we, our relationship as sisters has been very mm-hmm. easy and hasn't had a lot of conflict. Like, when we were little, we sort of stayed out of each other's way because we're five years apart, and then we grew together. And it might be that people who see a sibling relationship as more, because it can be very full of conflict. I certainly, I, I know identical twins who don't, who are very, like, kind of estranged from their twin so it might be that we just, for us, it seems like more of something that's already good and we don't see the downside because we haven't experienced that in our own sibling relationship as yeah, much. Yeah, and I love collaborating. Like I have a writing partner yes. and I have yes. you who I collaborate with. So I think I just enjoy that sort of team feeling um, yes. and not everybody does. So it's just kind of interesting right. to think about. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like I love, I love feeling like there's somebody right yeah. there. Um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Well, it's an interesting know yourself better question. I'll be curious to hear what people's response yes. is And to what that. twins have to say. What twins have to say. Yes. Um, now for a listener question. Another, you can always reach us by leaving a voicemail question at 774-277-9336. Also, that's 77-HAPPY-336. Or you can leave us a voice memo or an email at podcast at com. This week's question comes from Rachel. She says, My husband is a true rebel and I'm an obliger. Although I've been able to figure out many ways to help us avoid conflict in day-to-day life, such as letting him schedule tasks without pushing him on it, there's one issue that I can't seem to figure out. My husband refuses to wear his seatbelt consistently. He says it's uncomfortable and often, quote, forgets to put it on until we're already (laughs) on the road where he deems it unsafe to put it on. 
I have a hunch it goes back to his rebel dad who didn't wear a seatbelt growing up, which has instilled in him the belief that seatbelts are optional. I've tried ignoring it to see if he does it on his own, but to no avail. I've tried pleading with him on behalf of his safety or citing accident statistics of people not wearing seatbelts, but it usually ends up with both of us upset. I want to respect his rebel tendencies in many areas of his life, but I have a hard time letting this one go since his safety is in peril. Any ideas on how I might be able to find a solution? Well, that's tough. That's Here's tough. what I don't get, Gretchen, is... Every car that we've had, if you don't have the seatbelt done, it dings nonstop. Yeah, that annoying noise. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he figured out how to dis- disconnect yes. that. Or it's an old car that doesn't have it. Um, and then don't you get a ticket? Like I remember in Better Than Before, I had, a, um, I had the example of a rebel who um, got tickets. Yeah. Um, I think in, in Westchester, in New York, they ticket a lot for that. And so he was like, yeah, I didn't want to pay the tickets. So I ended up doing it. And one suggestion I have is that she needs to insist he gets more life insurance because, you know, just say, hey, if you're not going to wear your seatbelt, you <laughs> yeah, could die yeah, yeah. and leave me, um, <laughs> you know, in a situation. And to be right. responsible, you've got to prepare. Well, that's interesting because, you know, one of the ways to reach a rubble is information consequences choice. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like, well, if you, you are more likely to die in an accident or be very seriously injured if you're not wearing your seatbelt, that's just that's just a consequence. And as a consequence of that, we need more life insurance. So that's sort of it's not a it's not a threat or a penalty. It's just it's just a consequence of if you decide to do this, there's this result. But apart from the life insurance, I also have to say, I kind of think you just have to let this one yeah. go. I mean, he's a grown up. Yeah. If he wants to not wear a seatbelt, I think. Yeah. You know, um, also the thing about a rebel, the more you press, the more you ignite the spirit of resistance. So I don't think it's helpful. I don't think you're making it more likely that he would wear the seatbelt by pressing it. Yeah. I think you make it less likely. One thing that would be interesting to know, Gretchen, is if they have children or are planning to have children someday, because I bet right. he would want his child to wear a seatbelt and mm. he'd probably then put it on to get his child to put it on. So this could, um, you know, fix itself on its own if they end up having children. Right. Well, and here's another thing. Sometimes with a rebel, what works, and Rachel may have already tried this, is sometimes with a rebel, you can say to them, will you do it out of love for me? Mm. And so you're saying, you're not doing it because I'm asking you to do it. You're not doing it because I'm telling you to do it. I'm not asking you to do it because of the law. I'm not doing it because that's like what the guidelines say. I'm just saying, for whatever reason, it's one of these things that just really upsets me. And can you choose to do it? out of love for me. Because sometimes they will choose to do it, not because they have to or because they think it's a good idea or reasonable or whatever, but just because they choose to do it. It sounds like she may have already kind of tried that card, in which case Mm -hmm. he's like, I don't think this is a big deal. But it's something to think about because for some rebels, we'll do it out of love, even if they wouldn't do it for those other reasons. Yeah, and when she says she's tried not saying anything, maybe she didn't say anything one car trip, you know? (laughs) Maybe if she doesn't say anything for six months or a year, that'll have a bigger impact. Or then, and then you get the new card that has the annoying yeah. ding or whatever. You're right. It might, it might. Um, but yeah, I think not saying anything is like for the rest of time. It's not like one time or one week. Yeah. Um, and by the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about with the rebels and et, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, you can take the quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. And two million people have taken the quiz. It's free. And you will find out about upholders, questioners, obligers, and rebels. Um, this clearly is a rebel husband that we've been talking about. Um, Well, this is a very interesting question, and it's interesting. Seatbelts come up a lot. Mm -hmm. 
Traffic regulations come up a lot when you're talking to questioners because mm. they don't like traffic regulations that they think are arbitrary. And rebels don't like things like seatbelts. See, none of us. The constraint. We're all so predictable. <laughs> Even rebels. Except for you and me. <laughs> so thank you, Rachel. Um, and good luck with your rebel husband. I hope he starts wearing his seatbelt. Yes. Coming up, Gretchen's got an email-related happiness demerit. But first is break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, Gretch, it is time for demerits and gold stars. And this week, you are up with a happiness demerit. Well, I want to keep count of how many demerits I have had that have been related to email. Oh because that is definitely like a theme. Um, and so this is something where... In the past, I've been very disciplined about dealing with tough emails pretty quickly. And lately, I have noticed that I have really been shoving those to the bottom. And I will deal with the easy ones in a very prompt way. And I'm also really good if there's like a negative email. Like somebody yeah. writes something that's critical. Like somebody wrote something about how I was very toothy. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that hurts my feelings that I'm toothy. What? That is um, so crazy. I well, I mean, I'm like, what am I going to do? Anyway, but I am toothy. I mean, I'm like, yes, I know that Wait, I am Wait, isn't toothy. it good to be toothy? Um, Doesn't that mean you have a big smile? Well, or you look like a horse. I don't know. We don't have to get into the toothiness of it. But anyway, it's like the toothiness is there. I can't, I, what am I going to do? So I answered it right away because I know if I have an email like that, or, or sometimes it's a more thoughtful criticism or something, I'm like, I know it's going to kind of give me a little ping mm. of, you know, uneasiness every time I see it. So let me get do it right away, answer right away. And that way I kind of get that done. But then there are ones, I'm sure you get these all the time, Liz, that everybody does, where it's like, I don't, like, you're asking me a question I don't really know the answer to. Maybe I need a little research. I don't really know what to answer, or what to make of it, or how to proceed. And so rather than sitting there and kind of pondering it and really forcing myself to think of, like, what's the response to this, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go do the easy ones now. Yes. Oh, <laughs> all the time. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm trying to, like, clean out my emails, and it's like seven gnarly, mm -hmm. complicated emails in a row. Um, so I'm really now trying to think about, do I want to spend half an hour at the end of every day to do this? Do I want to do it in the morning when I'm mm -hmm. fresh? Or maybe that's a bad use of my precious morning time. Do I want to every Friday spend a couple hours like going through and making sure those are all resolved? I'm trying to think about a kind of a process way to make sure that they don't stack up. Because it's fine to have one or two, but yeah. when you have, I have many now and it's just feel, making me feel kind of choked. Yeah, well, and it's one of those things that you always hope they'll just go away. Yes. But then yeah. they never do. So. Yeah, well, there's the whole thing of you just, if you don't answer them for long enough, then they just become yeah. kind of six months old. And then you're like, okay, well, I'm not going to answer it now. Yeah. But that that doesn't seem like the most the most responsible yeah. way. Yeah. Okay, Alyssa, so take us up. What's a, what's a gold star? Well, I am giving um, a gold star this week to Jack's chess teacher, Brian. Ah. So mm. I don't know if I've mentioned that um, Jack takes chess. He has a lesson uh, every weekend but his teacher, Brian, is just so passionate about teaching kids <laughs> chess. It just, like, Aww. blows my mind. He just loves teaching chess. And he um, 
always has a chess hat and a chess t-shirt and he gives out chess pencils and he makes himself wooden coins that he gives the kids for different Ah. achievements. And then if they get enough coins, they can trade them in for like chess prizes. And he (laughs) arranges these tournaments. And this weekend, um, Jack participated in a Wizards Chess Live chess game Uh where the kids were different. They themselves played the the chess pieces and moved and Brian dressed up as Dumbledore and played Harry Potter theme music. Oh, Oh, because like uh, Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. Where they have have the chat. Yeah. That's what it's based on. Um, And so it's just great because, I mean, here Jack has this whole thing in his life and I can see how it really impacts his thinking too because we've started playing other games like Risk where I can really mm. see the strategy from chess is um, paying off and just sort of how ah. he thinks, which of course is the whole reason to do it. And it's just, it's really great because even when the kids sort of, including Jack, get whiny or fidgety <laughs> or not interested, yeah. Brian never stops with his enthusiasm and his will to, to get them <laughs> Make it fun. to learn chess. <laughs> yes. Um, and he was always changing it up and doing new things to keep them interested. Um, so I just want to give him a gold star for being a great, passionate teacher. Well, it's a good reminder that a teacher can transform a child's whole experience. And oh, yeah. we've all had those teachers in our lives where we feel like our whole destiny um, was altered by a teacher who really understood us or was able to reach us or who infected us with an enthusiasm that was like, so unstoppable that we caught the enthusiasm. Um, So that's a wonderful gold star. Yes. And that is it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Use the Solomon Paradox. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, our engineer, Bob Tabador, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. You know it's true. The best way to let people know about our show is just to tell a friend. That's how people listen because somebody they know and trust tells them to listen to something. So we do so appreciate it when you tell people about the show and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. The resources for this week. As we mentioned before, we now have merchandise for the Happier Podcast and for the Four Tendencies. Go to GretchenRubin.com slash merch, that's M-E-R-C-H, short for merchandise, to check out our t-shirts, tote bags, and mugs. Also, I recently recorded the audiobook for one of my older books, 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill. And you can get the audio version on Audible or Apple Books or wherever you listen to your audiobooks. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. So, Elizabeth, I combine the Solomon Paradox with my knowledge of the four tendencies with Jamie. Oh, how do you do that? Well, because as an upholder, I tend to just, like, do something if somebody tells me to. But Jamie's a questioner, so he does not. He's always like, well, why should I? Mm -hmm. So sometimes now I will stop and I'll think, well, this is what I would do. But what would Jamie do? And then I'm like, Jamie would not do it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. We'll try that. From the Onward Project.